0: Children, come, listen to your father and gather around the fire.
1: What is it, father? Why have you called us hither?
0: I must tell thee of thine scripture before thine soul be condemneth to thine hell in...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be condemned to hell, father.
1: Although it it does feel like we're in purgatory, father. (laughs) Why have we come hither to this desolate land? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, that be it, do, that be true. <laughs> it might feel like purgatory, but it's better than that plantation we came from. It.
2: <laughs> it's so lonely out here, there's literally nobody else for
0: miles. All right, well, don't go start wanting to move back to the plantation. I don't want to live there with those fake Christians going around, reading the Bible, trading with outsiders.
2: Uh, okay. Yes, I I suppose that makes sense, but it's quite terrible out here. Little Sam has been taken away from us. And there's mold on the corn.
0: All right. The corn will get better. The corn will get better. And Sam, let me tell you that that was not that baby was not right.
1: What do you mean, Father? Where is Sam now?
0: Well, uh, I hate to tell you this, but Sam's in hell. Sam's in hell. No, no way around it. He, he was born to sin, lived sin. That baby was rotten to the core.
1: But why can't he go to heaven, Father?
0: No, 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 no. Sam was born in corruption. No, it couldn't happen.
1: Does that mean we're all corrupt, Father?
0: Aye, that be it, do. (laughs) But what
2: can we hope for, then? How could we possibly ever get into heaven?
0: Well... If you shed every part of your spirit, every morsel of your personality, just crush it utterly and only leave room for the Lord and to live like Christ. You might be redeemed for a minute or two and you need to pray that the good Lord kills you within that minute. <laughs> so you go to heaven before you muck it up. Oh, oh no. no. Ho, 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 Sam was all fucked up. This shit
2: was all fucked up.
0: I saw Sam on 4chan. And...
2: <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Sam was at January 6th. What? <laughs> I think Sam caused 9 11. <laughs> There's pictures of Sam spraying down protesters with bear mace. <laughs>
0: You see, Sam was a Pisces, and that just doesn't exactly work with the rest of our charts.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) You ever seen those pictures of Sam at Tiananmen Square putting down protesters? Oh, my God.
0: Sam was a tank driver back in China. (laughs) Why? Why did Sam do that? Sam started out fighting for a good cause, for the communist cause, but it went real awry. (laughs) You seen those pictures of Sam at the Grassy Knoll? (laughs) I remember when Sam was working a summer job at the Library of Alexandria.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Kept saying it was too dark there without enough torches.
0: (laughs) No smoking in the library. Is it just a drag?
2: All right, let's do this, Cass.
0: Born of sin, lived of sin, a corrupt baby.
2: Ah! <laughs> Dark fantasy fans, and welcome to Scares and Satire, the podcast where we turn terrifying low fantasy into horrific high art. I'm your spooky dungeon master, Jamie Molkel. Doing your best Skeletor impression. <laughs> oh, I always try to be a witch. <laughs> yes. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my pronouns are he and him, and I am here with my witchy co-hosts.
1: Right, because we watched The Witch.
2: We watched The Witch?
1: <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> I'm Cassidy. My pronouns are they them and i'm a goat
2: ba ba black sheep
1: but i'm not like the
2: <laughs> i don't even know why i said that
1: <laughs> but i'm not like the goat ah. i'm just a goat
2: just hanging out mhm duck duck goose <laughs> <laughs> so uh have you been hanging out with black philip
1: uh, he's kind of cringe. I I just, like, eat hay in the barn.
2: Ooh, nice.
1: Yeah. I do my best to stay away from him, but sometimes the creepy old lady comes and, like, drinks my milk, and I'm not a big fan of that.
2: Nah. Do they take it right from the source?
1: Yeah, I wasn't going to say, but yeah, unfortunately, it's true.
2: Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, bring up a painful
1: Yeah, it's kind of traumatic memory. for me.
0: It <laughs> makes sense. Do you whisper? You do any whispering? Uh,
1: no, I like bleeding more. You know, S- oh, I that like makes screaming sense. also.
0: <laughs> what do you think, listener? Are you a whisperer or a bleeder? Say in the comments. Or a, a screamer. Bleeder, not bleeder. <laughs> ah, I see. Well, you know, in this movie, goats take you know partake in both.
1: True. Yeah. True.
0: But who am I? Who are Where any are of you? us? <laughs> well. I'm a British citizen who would have received quite the punishment, but instead got a second chance to live in the New World, where I found a very open, relatively, religious community. And there was this one weird, like, crazy conservative family, but thank God they got kicked out of the community. It's probably for the better. And what's your name? I'm Jack Olander. I'll take whatever pronouns you got, but- oh, good. Don't tell that family we kicked out of the community. Right. Look at Jack here
2: hogging all the pronouns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Save some for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get you get a wish if you put them all in the gauntlet. That makes sense.
1: Or in the pot.
0: Put them into cauldron.
2: Yeah, I was gonna cauldron. say. What about the cauldron? Yeah.
1: Cauldron. There we go.
2: Odin is just galloping over there. Put them all in your Teflon cauldron. <laughs> Should we have called you Sleipnir? Yeah. Well, guys, I'm really excited to talk about our movie this week because it is Robert Eger's debut film, The Vavitch.
1: And we are trying to add all the egg to our collection.
2: That's right. We've already talked about his excellent Viking film, The Norseman. And next, we will talk about his excruciating Lovecraftian <laughs> horror, The Lighthouse, yeah. in a future episode. But today, it's the. Exact first movie that he made. The Vivinch. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get to it, we should probably talk a little bit about the movie. Uh, again, it's Robert Eggers' debut film. It stars Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, Harvey Scrimshaw, and of course, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, I don't know if this is her debut movie, but it seems like her breakout movie.
1: Yeah, you're probably right about that there.
2: And it is a tale of dark puritanical Gothic folklore and true. a coming of age for Satan or Thomason. <laughs> I suppose it kind of is a coming of age.
1: Kill your darling
2: <laughs>
0: for everyone else. It's I don't like, know if that's what that means. It's like an ending of age.
2: <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> this is what I would say is a typical family story. Very relatable for all of us who have families. Yeah.
0: Coming of age, like Kiki's delivery service, Ladybird, the Requiem Witch. for a Dream. <laughs> yeah. It's all there. It works for me. But you know, we've got a lot to
2: talk about with this film. We should probably start off though with a little summary to remind people what happened in the Vavitch. You witches.
1: So we're we're in uh 1630s New England, right?
2: Uh oh, you mean in the film?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh we didn't like, you know, teleport back to that time, right?
2: Thank God. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: but uh old William and his family are kicked out of a plantation community.
2: They are too cringe for the Puritans.
1: Yeah, I was going to say they had zero chill, so they had to go.
2: And that's your summary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It goes bad.
1: Yeah. So Will and Catherine take their family and decide to follow their bliss. And they go out on the road. They're like, you don't want us? Well, we don't want you, actually.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a classic move. It's a fierce breakup.
1: And uh, savage, <laughs> they search around for a piece of land out in the wilderness. And uh,
2: boy, do they find it!
1: They come upon a piece of land they think they can colonize.
0: <laughs> Look, no one wants this land, it must be free real estate. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I mean, there's people living here, old women.
1: <laughs> God gave us this land, and we will make it ours.
2: That's That is one perspective.
1: (laughs) So uh, they turn their eldest child, Thomason, into a live-in nanny for their brood of
2: kids. I thought you were going to say they turn their frowns upside down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think their frowns just get deeper.
2: (laughs) Do they always look on the bright side of life?
1: Uh, They're more like doomers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They think that uh, everybody's born to sin and it's just corrupt.
0: If looking on the bright side, you mean like staring into the sun, then (laughs) yes. There's no sun in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. They're from England. True. England doesn't know where the sun is. Hmm.
1: So the pain of being ghosted by their friends slowly builds until the family goes insane from fear and isolation. Uh, I you. So, yeah, and it's either that there's a coven of witches on the woods, right where they decided to build their home, or they are all slowly going crazy from the mold in their corn.
0: I vote witches. The witches. Much put, more believable. The yeah. witches put mold in their corn. That uh, is actually a fairly strong case you're making.
1: So, uh, the family doesn't look outside of themselves for witches. They believe somehow there's a witch amongst their mints, uh, among the seven of
2: them. The real witch was the family we knew all along, along the way.
0: Yeah. (laughs) When did you even have time to become a witch? I've been with you, like, all day. (laughs) Yeah, seriously.
1: They slowly start dying off.
0: Maybe Thomasin learned
2: it from that, uh, you know progressive uh puritan school she went to
1: <laughs> Yeah, so they uh the family gives into their innate cringe and they turn on each other
2: just like family does.
1: Yeah. They uh turn on each other like I said they slowly start dying off uh for different reasons.
2: One by one and two by two. Faster for some of them.
1: Yeah. Most of them are killed off by the hypothetical witches.
2: <laughs> we call those Schrodinger's witches.
1: Um, who are just living their best life in the woods. True. They're, they're having a grand old time. But the mom is actually killed by Thomason herself in the end. But, you know... It was kind of self-defense, because the mom was trying to choke her out.
2: Yeah, Thomason was just standing her ground. This is early America.
1: Uh, You know, if somebody tries to kill you, you try <laughs> to kill them right back, I guess. It
2: Thomas- was also like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, they're like, oh, Thomason, you're a witch. We should probably kill you. And she's like, I'm not a witch. But now that you've tried to kill me, I'm probably going to go join some witches.
1: Right. Hmm. Yeah, so uh she goes to Black Phillip. She figured her uh siblings Mercy and Jonas the twins, who were the most cringe out of the whole family maybe.
2: I kinda uh, like the twins. <laughs> you guys hated the twins. I thought they were kind of cool.
1: They talk to Black <laughs> Phillip, a black goat with large horns. And uh she talks to him. She's like, "I'll sign your book, dude. Yeah. I'm here for it." He there's a cool scene where he is turning his hoofed feet into booted she, uh, feet. In the
0: booted hooves. <laughs> now, we're not talking about a goat wearing boots. No. But uh, we can.
1: But a sexy man who whispers slowly behind her and looks kind of like a swashbuckler dressed in black and red.
2: Hey, who doesn't want to live deliciously?
1: Who doesn't? You're right. And, uh, Thomason sure does. And so she signs that book. And gets rid of that dang old shift there, and uh, they walk together into the woods, and she joins her naked sisters in their chant, and they all float into the sky and uh, live happily ever after, eating butter and getting all the best dresses. Like you
2: said, (laughs) living their best lives. Exactly. Living moss. Living moss. Well, that was an incredibly smooth summary that definitely wasn't interrupted by our cat. Why don't we move into the Delve? <laughs> Welcome to the delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of the witch.
1: Don't you which Which <laughs> don't you mean the vavitch?
2: Ah, I wasn't sure if it was gonna get old if I kept saying the vavitch.
0: But I do like to say the v- 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 bitch. Yeah. So, guys, how's it fit into the Kingdom Hearts Prince? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So, Thomason is clearly one of the princesses, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> and I think Black Phillip is a heartless. Wow. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> I think it fits. So,. This is actually the second time I've seen this movie, but the first time, and I know it's a really good movie and I like it, but almost nothing like stuck in my brain the first time we watched it. I don't know what happened. With that, let's head into the smithy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So watching it through this time, like I was much, I was like really focusing and I was much more cognizant of what was going on and I was paying attention to the cinematography and I was just reading a article this morning about the cinematography in the movie and how they chose like special camera lenses to, um, that like worked at different aspect ratios, like European aspect ratios and how they create this like effect, uh, the kind of more narrow aspect actually makes the trees look really tall and, like, looming over the people. like yeah. They did, yeah. Their homestead and stuff. And I was like, oh, that really explains why the visuals of this movie are just so incredible. And, of course, as we know from Edgar's other films, he is all about that natural lighting. They use, like, natural light and, like, torches and candles and then tea lights around the set to light the film
1: also what you're getting at is another thing that he loves to portray through the visuals of his films and it's the same with the witch he likes to show through the shots this feeling of the immensity of the natural world yeah and through these sweeping shots it's kind of like This feeling that I like to think of as lonely beauty.
2: (laughs) Well said. Nice.
1: And it speaks to this deep-seated fear of being kind of isolated and forgotten.
2: Yeah, I mean, that definitely resonates in this film and in The Lighthouse, especially. And then I think elements of it exist in The Norseman, how Omelette Mm -hmm. is kind of a man alone right he's got some help but mostly he has to be like a one-man army
0: yeah it's true in this the trees like you were saying do loom definitely they're like really ginormous giants right and the other things in nature one of them is the rabbit yes which i'm guessing is a familiar like a witch's familiar yeah we see it several times throughout the film and that he, is an ominous bunny. Yeah. When they're riding a horse, the horse wants nothing to do with that rabbit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it right. has That's strange
0: hilarious. eyes.
1: That's
0: yeah, we were watching it with a friend, and when we saw the rabbit, he was like, that rabbit just looks fucked up. <laughs> I've seen true. rabbits. What yeah. the, What's happening here? Uh, it, they, we need to cast a really fucked up rabbit. <laughs>
1: they leave snares. It never gets caught. They try to shoot at it. it they can't hit it.
2: Not only it, that, when, when William tries to shoot it, the gun like backfires and like flashes in his eye. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. And... It leads
1: Caleb to the witch's hut at one point.
2: That's one magic-ass rabbit. Yeah. That's, that's a familiar. Get that witch a familiar. Witches love familiar. Now, that's
0: <laughs> the next part of nature that I was wanting to highlight. Are the only people we see living completely secluded in the woods are incredibly dangerous people. Are we talking about the witch or William's family? <laughs> the witches. Okay. Yeah yeah
1: it's true. the one witch that's the one that lives the closest to the family. we see later that there's a whole coven, but the witch that's actually tormenting the family specifically is one woman, yeah, and
2: uh, I don't know that coven's just out there having a good old time in my opinion,
1: yeah for sure but yeah she she is dangerous with her magic. she takes. Samuel, the baby, somehow. True. And does things with him.
2: We don't really know what. She also seems to ensorcel Caleb.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Samuel. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> he becomes her hairdresser? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> um. I hope so. Everyone knows that hairstyling is of the devil. (laughs) True.
1: And it seems like Black Philip is Satan like Thomason tries to tell her family, at least in one reading of the film. And um, the twins know about it, too. And they're always singing songs to him and about him. And they seem to be under his thrall.
2: They are simply praising his good or bad name.
0: Yeah. You know, what kid wouldn't be psyched to have a goat that can talk?
2: Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much all I ever wanted. Still all I want.
1: And it's like once they get isolated on that farmstead and they they come under the thrall of the goat, they cannot be controlled.
0: The twins? Yeah. They're unruly. They're running around. They're pushing each other around. They're
1: renegades. They're
0: singing when they're told to stop. (laughs) They can't even recite the scripture.
1: Yeah. It's true.
0: Pathetic.
1: And Thomason gets- How
0: could
2: these four-year-olds not know the word of God? (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. And Thomason gets blamed for everything they do.
2: Well, so that's an interesting element of this movie that I wanted to talk about, which is this which is this idea, of oh my God, Thomason being the scapegoat,
0: oh oh, oh Lord, right?
2: because she is a young woman who is just entering puberty, right she's just becoming you know for lack of a less incredibly gendered and dated. Reference, she is becoming a woman, and that is threatening to her parents. Yeah. Even though they live in isolation, they still seem to fear Thomason growing into an adult.
1: Into womanhood, specifically. she's becomes a threat suddenly, it's true.
2: Yes, and much like Ator before him, Caleb is noticing <laughs> his sister's changes
1: yeah in a
2: way that we would deem maybe a bit yucky
1: a, cr- a bit cringe
2: maybe a little cringe a little
0: sauce yeah a little Folgers dark roast coffee <laughs> oh.
1: it's true uh he knows that he shouldn't have those feelings because he tries to look away whenever somebody kind of notices him looking and he seems to be kind of ashamed of it
2: Yes, and he's, like, kind of putting on an adversarial relationship with her.
1: But he also tries to take care of her. It's this kind of push and pull.
0: Yeah, they're very close, but he's uncomfortable with his feelings.
2: Yes. And so is the audience. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, they have become isolated, and he's kind of coming of age almost at the same time that she is.
2: Yeah, it's a difficult situation for sure.
1: And he has nobody else with which to direct his attention to.
2: And this is part of the reason why human beings are actually supposed to be social creatures. We are meant to live amongst others outside of our immediate family in a community. That is how we evolved into the species we are today.
1: Near the end of the film, the dad, Will, William,
2: <laughs> old Billy boy.
1: He admits that he screwed his family over and it was his own pride that led them to this low place because he couldn't accept the will of the community. uh, And, will? Just, <clears throat> and just like hold his tongue uh, and not like talk shit to everybody all the time.
2: Well, no, he's like a holier than thou hypocrite, right? I mean, he's a classic character archetype. Yeah. He's... His pride is his downfall. I mean, in some regards, this is a tragedy. And, you know, for listeners who are not as familiar with literary terms, a tragedy in the literary sense is a story about somebody who rises to great heights, but then is their own downfall, who causes their own descent into either death or destitution, whatever Whatever bad things happen there, due to their own actions, and it is Will's pride that causes his family to basically mostly die.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. We don't get their entire story, but the I family, like most of the family, lived in England before they came to the New World, mm-hmm. and we. I don't think we get a reason why they come over.
1: Except that they're Puritans. That's right. Of some ilk.
0: So it's probably religious freedom that they're seeking over here, which would come from the dad. Right. Yeah. And then...
1: It's definitely a, you know, heavily patriarchal system, of course.
2: Though Catherine seems to be just about as devout as Will is. It's
1: true. But he is still kind of the leader of the family. Yeah. And they listen to whatever he says.
0: He might have the one... He might be the one with the controversial opinions, though. Yeah,
2: I would say... I mean, as the male head of household in this time period, he would be the one who has any say in their civic lives that has any like major interactions with the community so it's something he did for sure yeah i
1: mean he's getting kicked out, but his family has to go with him like they're all tied to him and his fortune or
0: defamation
1: (laughs) misfortune yeah exactly they share his fate
0: so assumedly he got them kicked out of england And then he got them kicked out of the plantation. Yeah.
2: I mean, they might have chose to leave England. We're not sure about that. But he definitely got them kicked out of the plantation.
0: Chose for religious freedoms, probably. Sure. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I'm not guessing they got convicted of a crime which would either put them at death or go to the New World. Probably not.
1: Yeah.
2: But exile from the community in New England is certainly, I would say, William's fault.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He, They said, uh, we're gonna kick you out, bro. And he's like, I'd be glad of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. Actually, you can't kick me out because I'm leaving.
0: Yeah, that's right. He blocked their number.
1: It was <laughs> almost like they were trying to give him one last chance to recant because they were saying, like, yeah. if you don't stop, we are going to kick you out, basically. And that's when he said, I'd be glad of it if you did. So they're like, Okay, then we will.
0: (laughs) Uh, Get the fuck out then, dude. (laughs) I'm not going to hold my tongue around false Christians, he says. All
2: I'm saying is this dude is too conservative for the Puritans. Yeah. (laughs) You know, speaking of community, I've been thinking a lot about another community. Not a puritanical one. Oh, good. But a fun community.
1: Is it a community that we would want to keep around?
2: Definitely. It's actually a community that we really want to expand. Oh. And it's a community of our patrons.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Patreonical,
2: Exactly.
1: People that patronize us.
2: (laughs) I mean, I can be very patronizing, so it makes sense. (laughs) No, it's the people who go to... Patreon.com slash Swords and Satire and sign up to send us a little monthly tribute, as it were.
0: A tithe.
2: (laughs) A tithe to help keep the show going. Yeah. Love it.
1: So we can keep talking about these movies. (laughs) That's
2: right. But they don't just do it out of only the goodness of their hearts, primarily, but they get a little something out of it, too, because they get bonus episodes and additional artistic projects that we put together for them like jack's world famous
0: duck art it's true more on the way they're migrating back from their migration away (laughs) that's right we also get cut bonus content we do rewriting histories that's where we
2: come up with sequels reboots and spinoffs for movies that we've talked about
1: And people can vote on a movie that we watch each month.
2: You mean like The Witch? Yeah. which was voted on. By a witch. Who voted. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. One of our witchy patrons voted for this film. So if you want to join our community, you can go to patreon.com slash swords and satire and find a membership tier that fits your budget.
1: Nice. I recommend everybody go do that right now. (laughs) All <laughs> Unless right. you're already doing it.
0: Thanks for staying within your budget. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, now back to the episode.
1: Now it's sad because they clearly love each other. William and Catherine say they love each other. I believe t- it many times throughout the movie, and they tell their kids they love them too.
2: Their relationship is almost cute at times. <laughs>
1: who's
0: Will and
2: William and Catherine Oh yeah the like, only relationship oh, well I guess there are
0: other kinds
2: <laughs> there are other kinds of relationships um yeah I I think that they love each other but William has just really sunk low he's like taken Catherine's like grandmother's silver cup right and sold it for like food like yeah. they're starving to death their crops are failing And he is too, like, because we kind of have this feeling, right? He could just apologize and go back to the community. It seems like he could go back, but he's like, no, we're going to be the most devoutestest.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. He wants them to live according to his own beliefs on how they should live rather than trying to make it work for the good of his family.
2: Which to some extent makes me feel sad for Will, Based on his upbringing that led him to be such a bullheaded fool that he can't, for one, he can't properly integrate into society.
1: Well, yeah, it's sad at the end when he realizes what he's done and how it's his pride that brought them to this position. He's sobbing while he's praying to the Christian God, asking that he his family won't be hurt by his own pride. Right basically asking for them to be saved.
2: Now, unfortunately, William should have prayed to not be hurt by the insane wood pile that he cut. This motherfucker goes out to cut wood whenever he's stressed out, and he's got, like, two gigantic
0: piles of of firewood.
1: That's a lot of sexual tension right there.
0: Yep. He has a falling out with these wood piles, (laughs) as I understand (laughs) it. That is true. He gets
2: rammed by Black Philip, and then uh, the woodpile falls on him.
1: You die as you live. (laughs) True. Yeah. It seems to hold true with every time I have to think about it.
2: Now, I'm no lumberjack, but that's at least like four or five cord of wood.
0: (laughs) Timber, let's just say.
2: (laughs) 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 I did like the woodcutting motif, though. I thought that was an interesting kind of recurring element.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the dad definitely loves his family. I think so. William is trying to comfort his kids when he believes that, like, basically they have no control. Right. When he's out hunting in the woods with Caleb... Caleb is like, hey, dad, you know how you- Sam wasn't baptized? And the dad is like, oh, yeah. And Caleb is like, does that mean Sam is in hell? And the dad is like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're talking about this. He's like, yes, he's definitely in hell. Yeah, yeah, probably. He's probably in hell. But we don't know. God knows, not us. And no human can tell you. But that also means I can't tell you if you're going to hell or not, Caleb. My assumption is that that is Will saying we're all going to hell. (laughs) Yeah, basically. That's why we kept joking about, like, he's saying that mankind is, like, born with this insatiable drive toward corruption, right? And sin. And sin. And that only by an entire life of devotion and repentance can you hope to be redeemed. But you basically have to shed every ounce of... Like, humanity. Right. Because Will was saying that to be human is to be completely driven towards sin.
2: Yeah. Yeah, my psychoanalysis of Will is that he's a guy who projects a lot of his fears and insecurities onto other people, and they have to suffer for it because we're talking about a patriarchal society, whereas, again, the male head of household, quote unquote, I mean, he was, I'm not saying that (laughs) I'm questioning the validity of that system for others, but I understand that it existed for the time period. He makes his family suffer through his actions.
1: Yeah. They're all driven by their fears, which only get worse as they eat moldy corn and are surrounded by a cold, uncaring landscape.
2: Hypothetically. They're, Oh, Morty Corn.
1: Some of their biggest fears are fearing themselves, their own natures. Yeah. And the unknown. And the vast expanse of the wilderness around them represents that unknown element. It's a wild. They're surrounded by these wild spaces, and it's something that they can't fathom, and it makes them feel like they're beset. On all sides. and
2: They kind of are. Look at those trees. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about a common theme in Agar's films, and then maybe you guys can talk a little bit about this moldy corn theory. Okay. Because a common theme, I would say, in Agar's films is this uncertainty if there is something supernaturally horrifying happening, or if... We are simply seeing the world through the eyes of people who either have supernatural beliefs or have something happening, isolation or some kind of like moldy corn infection that is causing them to hallucinate them. So let's talk a little bit about the moldy corn theory.
1: All right. Well, I think it's kind of up to your interpretation whether things are actually supernatural or not. You are given extra information that sometimes can't be known unless there are other actors actually doing things.
2: No, you're saying you as the viewer.
1: Yeah. Like in this movie with the witch, we actually get to see her hut and things she's doing without... Yeah, the other family members to interpret what's there to interpret what's going on
2: right so at the very least there is probably an old wise woman living alone in the woods probably rejected by society and forced to live in isolation much like william but without the family necessarily
1: yeah i mean do we know that she took the baby or is that what the family members suspected that she did
0: We see something happen to Samuel.
1: Yeah, we do. But is it what actually happened or is it what the family imagined happened to him?
0: Yeah,
2: it's tough because Samuel disappears while Thomason is playing hide and seek or I guess peekaboo when Thomason is playing peekaboo with him. Like suddenly she opens her eyes and the baby is just gone.
1: Did she do something to him? And blame it on a witch?
2: I mean, that would fit very much in line with the puritanical witch trial era that we're talking about. Yeah. She does seem distraught by it, though. Yeah. But it is hard to tell. She might just be more distraught because she's getting blamed.
1: Right. It's hard to tell what is real and what
2: isn't. Was there ever a baby to begin with?
0: (laughs) I think it's probably a witch, though.
2: Yeah? Let's talk about that.
0: <laughs> well, we see a witch, right?
2: <laughs> okay, that's true. We see a lot of witches, actually. Yeah, we point.
0: do. We do.
1: It could all be that Thomason is insane.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Caleb. Oh, unless, you know, the, um, unless there is mold on the corn mm-hmm. that is causing uh, psychotropic hallucinations. And then, like, an allergic reaction in Caleb when he returns uh, in his weird reverie hmm
0: i figured the witches were hexing the corn just trying to ruin them as much as possible or maybe it was black philip himself doing that could be a combination it's of
2: possible.
0: perpetrators
2: they're just so universally hated by everyone like satan's showing up no, they, they're kicked out by their community satan shows up in the form of a goat and then the witches who just happen to live by them are like fuck these guys
1: So, something that's an interesting part of this conversation is that the witches and their behaviors are the typical, like, um...
2: Spooky evil witches?
1: Folkloric portrayal of witches that was used to kind of scare people into conforming. Right. And was used to force others to conform or be dealt with.
2: Why would a woman possibly want to not marry a man and go live out in the woods with other women? It doesn't make any sense. It must be the <laughs> devil.
1: Yeah. Um. Or how could they be healers and be able to sustain themselves without a man? Uh,
0: exactly. We see at the end of this film a little a little blurb saying that a lot of the dialogue in this movie came directly from, like, diaries, letters, and court records. That's right. And what
2: would the court records have been? Witch trials. That's right. Witch trials? The
0: witch trials. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) which witch trials? The witch trials. The Salem witch trials. So,
1: (laughs) it all carries this kind of air of mystique of what, people claimed witches could
2: do which but, i mean is a great thing that uh Eggers is able to do similarly with like the norsemen that we talked about a little while ago where he built on the spiritual traditions of the vikings to build this world that we see as an audience as like a mystical world
1: right so all of the witches and what they do fit these stereotypes based on stories people told and folklore and superstition right but we know that it's not (laughs) what women really did or why they were really accused of being witches so is it really happening because everything that's going on is like the typical cookie cutter (laughs) explanation that christians gave of what witches were like rather than Like, any real person.
2: Right. So, if I'm hearing you right, you're making the case that Eggers is too smart in his filmmaking to just, like, intentionally stereotype the victims of, like, the witch trials. There's something smarter going on here where he is showing the way that those who would persecute them would view the world.
1: Yes, and use... These tales as a mask for their own behaviors so that they could blame it on the boogeyman, basically.
0: The boogie woman,
1: Yeah. Or women.
0: This is a slice of life 1600s movie. POV, that's point of view. You're a Puritan eating moldy corn. <laughs> <laughs> or a Puritan being
2: cursed by witches because you've been a huge shithead. That's right.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it could be supernatural. It's kind of supernatural and not at the same time.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I like to err on the side of whenever a piece of media could be supernatural, it is. Right. Like my favorite not-at-all-questionably-supernatural film, I Kill Giants. Yes. Or, like, The Norseman. Right. We've watched another
0: one. I can't think of what it was. That's right. When it comes to the egger trilogy that's out right now the norseman is definitely like is there magic and uh you know i lean a little probably not in that one right but maybe i like how, to think there how is how dare you say? i that. <laughs> would choose to say yes there is in the lighthouse it's sort of like maybe there is maybe there isn't i like to say there is too
2: there's definitely an old one in that lantern
0: definitely In this one, I feel like it's pretty freaking magical. Yeah.
2: I mean, Thomason starts levitating at the end of the movie. Case closed
0: in this witch trial. Black Phillips' ASMR voice is just like as high fantasy as it gets.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And also his swashbuckling outfit. Yes. Red and black leather.
0: Wait, do we see more of him than I remember? (laughs) He's just in the darkness. Oh, but you can see him.
1: He kind of looks like a privateer.
0: I mean, I love it. Yeah.
2: Living Super the dream. Awesome.
1: Sir Francis Drake-esque.
2: <laughs> a real fuck machine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and he's like, remove your shift.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know me. I love a charismatic
0: devil. Yeah. Yes. Now, Thomason does not want to sign the book in that scene. She's hesitant. She says she won't sign it. But then he's like, I'll guide thy hand. And she's like, uh, okay. I, I don't think she
2: says I think she says she can't sign it because she doesn't know how to write.
1: Yeah. Oh she doesn't I, know how to write her name.
2: Yeah.
0: I didn't think about it. She's
2: that. not an educated woman. I mean, why would her father educate her? She's a girl.
0: You know? That makes so much sense. <laughs> I never realized that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's saying she just doesn't know how to write her own name.
1: And I mean, the family was struggling, and the, there's nowhere one for her to marry. And so they're not going to just keep her indefinitely. They were ha- like creating right. plans to like practically sell her off to another family to be their servant.
2: Yeah. So again, like there is this kind of constant fear slash like devaluing of Thomason. Yeah. So I think there is a decent case to be made for her being the, I don't want to say the antagonist, but for her taking an active role in her own liberation through some kind of familial sabotage.
1: Yes. This is another one of Eger's critiques of Uh, our society is uh, a critique of the patriarchy uh, and its fear of feminine power.
2: Yes. A lot of people would be like, oh, but it's actually a movie about the 1600s. So, like, it doesn't have anything to do with modern society. But here's the thing. Media actually says more about the time it comes from than the time that it's about when you're talking about historical media. Yes.
1: Or futuristic.
2: Or, yeah. Media is about the time that it is made in Yes More than the time that it is
0: describing
1: The stories we tell have meaning for us in the here and now
0: Do we think that witches in this setting are actually fighting the patriarchy? God, I hope so Because, like, obviously they are women who have gotten power in their hands And are seizing a life that they are a lot more comfortable with. Yes.
1: Sometimes the most radical thing you can do is be yourself.
0: That's right. However, this is like a Puritan fantasy setting. So the devil is a man in this. Sure. And the witches in this are getting their power from him. Do you see what I'm saying? Here? I do. But he do is a
1: supernatural angel. So he's not quite a man.
0: That's right. He is presented very
2: male.
1: Yeah, he is ma- a male. True.
0: He's masculine for sure. You have, to, you have to ask him for the power. You have to relinquish your, your oh, everything me. to him to get the power. So it is another
2: patriarchal system that we could argue that Thomason is falling into, I think, is what the point you're getting at.
0: You're picking one patriarchy to free yourself of another.
2: It's an interesting point. She does find community amongst the other witches who are ostensibly female. Mm -hmm. I wonder, though, if it has something to do with the fact that a deity of any kind would come to Thomason in a familiar form. That could do. I could do like because she's going to probably perceive the adversary, old scratch, the devil as a masculine figure, as like the foil to God, another masculine patriarchal figure in her religious worldview. Yeah. So if it is a entity of personal power, it will still know the best form to come in. Now, I like the idea that we could have had a female devil or character that is the the gateway to liberation for her. Mm. But I think there's also a good case to be made for it being like this kind of culturally accepted form.
1: Also, he takes a form that he knows will entice her.
2: Fair. She is a young woman uh, at the ripitude of uh, <laughs> womanhood or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, I do not care for the phrase I just said. Um, Did you say ripe? Uh, Ripetude.
0: Ripetude.
1: Yeah. She's coming of age. He's wooing her.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, here's another argument to be made that says the witches are not giving up anything. Sure. Because if we take what the dad says as canon, it's in it's the story, right? That's right. the faith. He's saying that there's a 99.99% chance that you're just going to go to hell anyway.
2: Right.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Almost nobody has absolution.
1: And that nobody can tell you if you're going to go to heaven or not.
0: If there's a guarantee, pretty much, that you're going to hell... Why not just take the deal? Because you're just going to go there anyway, but your life on Earth can be better than being a slave to God, right? Fuck it! Because if you live your entire life as a slave to God in this setting... Yeah. Or, like, as a servant, then you have completely given up your life, and there's still no guarantee of heaven. And, uh, in this setting, there's no reason that we are told that you should be devoted to God except for what your afterlife is going to be. Like, there's no benefit in your life. It doesn't make you feel better. It makes you feel worse.
2: Yeah, it does. I think in William's view, it is a question that answers itself. It is you have to live a good and pious life because that is what God wants, regardless of what God will actually provide unto you.
1: It's sad, like you're saying, Jack, too, because going back to something we were talking about before, the baby Samuel, when they're talking about him and talking about how he's going to hell.
0: He was fucked up that kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they said it's because he was born from corruption. He's talking. They're talking all about sin.
2: And sex. They're and talking the vices about sex. of the body. Yeah.
1: He and his wife love each other very deeply. And so he's talking about them making love and creating a child from that as something that's corrupt and foul.
2: Wait, are you saying that like William thinks that Samuel is going to hell because he enjoyed having sex with his wife? Yes. Oh fuck. That is fucked. Yeah. Well, it's really yeah. sad. It's like if it was miserable and neither of us enjoyed it, then maybe Samuel would have had a chance, but no, I actually had, I, I enjoyed it a little bit and that means it was cursed.
0: Brutal I know (laughs) So yeah, uh, I think the witches probably Did uh, You know, the best play Yeah, I mean, you've convinced me I'm gonna go join the witches Fuck this uh, farmstead I mean, if we're living in this setting Like, you gotta become a witch. Like, the deal's too good.
1: I would like to live deliciously, please. I like
0: the taste of butter, not gonna lie. And I'd like some fancy dresses. Me too, I'm right there with you. Butter dresses.
2: (laughs) Oh, I don't like that at all. Let's keep these two pleasures separate. (laughs) I don't want to make a (laughs) Hellraiser. I don't want to blend my pain and pleasure too much. Yeah. All right, well, that was a witchy delve. We should probably head into the smithy. We should
1: probably head into the delve. No, no, no.
2: (laughs) Welcome to the smithy, where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Jack, do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from one to ten broomsticks?
0: Uh. <coughs> why? Yes, I do. And I think I'm I'm probably nabbing that. Well, no, I won't. I won't do that one. I will instead go for another scene we have already mentioned. I like the scene quite a bit where the dad is chopping wood in the rain And collapses to his knees saying, I think this is all my fault for my pride. Oh, nice. That was awesome because he really believes in what he believes. Yeah. He didn't get them kicked out of the plantation because he enjoyed like making his family pariahs. He thought that he was benefiting them by living the most spiritually pure life. Yeah. And trying to give them the best chance, which is sort of like, you know, what a lot of people view parenthood as, right? Give your kids the best life they can. And he's trying to do that for him himself yeah. and his family. As best as he knows how. But he's not willing to accept that he could be wrong about this. And throughout the film, he is, like we said spitting out these morals and then betraying them in a later scene, right? He steals his wife's cup and sells it for traps. He says, never go into the woods, and then they're setting traps in the woods because he can't sustain them. Yeah. And he's constantly lashing out at his kids, scaring the heck out of them. It's a patriarchy, and that means that Men in those societies have a lot of power, a lot of benefits, but that is not really making him feel very good. No. It puts a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and he's constantly out chopping wood, trying to relieve that stress. He's the only person who can bring food into his family of seven people. It's a lot for him. (laughs) It's important
2: to remember that toxic masculinity doesn't mean like men are bad and like only hurt other people. Toxic masculinity hurts the toxic males, too, or the men who exhibit toxic qualities who otherwise
0: could be wonderful human beings. It's true. And he's really superstitious. There's a scene where he's talking to Thomason and he thinks she's a witch. He's like, hey, please just confess to me that it's you, right? Yeah, I'll burn you and everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not her. And she's like, she says, it's not me. And he can't accept it. He's he thinks there's too much evidence to show that it's her. He says, if you say it's you, we can deal with it and get past it, right?
2: Somebody should deal with
0: her. That's right. Well, what I'm trying to say is he's going to accept her even if she is a witch. The implication isn't that he's going to kill her. He says they're going to deal with it and get back to the plantation. And he's trying to get a better life for them. He's not saying you bitch, you're a witch, die, (laughs) right? Yeah. He's trying to accept and help her move past what he sees as like a cringe development. He
1: does call her a bitch when he asks her to speak the truth and then she tells him the truth of what she thinks is going on.
0: And a lot of the, a ton of the blame is on him. Yeah. She's saying, you stole the cup and let mom blame me for it. And then you got us kicked out of that society. We don't have any food because you can't provide for it. And I am done being like the butt of your shame, basically. And that's when he lashes out at her. And that's why the scene where he collapses when chopping wood in the rain is so good. Yeah, He finally lets the pride go and is like, Trying to pray to God, which is the only source of authority and power he's ever recognized to help his family. And he's willing to like martyr himself, which is so in line with like, you know, his ideals. Oh, yeah. He's like, you can discard me however you see fit, but please help my family. And, uh, you know, maybe God helped Thomason by hooking her up with the devil because he wasn't going to accept her anyway. <laughs> oh, that's a nice way to look at it. She's yeah. going to hell, so might as well let her have a good time on Earth, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Here's Satan. <laughs> and uh, He was my favorite angel. That's <laughs> In this setting, I think it would be hype if Satan is still God's favorite angel. <laughs> We're just buddies. He's yeah. the rebel. What can I say? It's, a it's real, cool.
2: It's a real Letters to the Earth by Mark Twain scenario
0: here. Yeah. yeah. but Read it. Anyway, I like all the characters in this film so much. The first few times I watched this, I was really bothered by some of them. But after we've kept watching it, I like... Understand them a lot better and their motivations, why they're so dysfunctional, but they're all flushed out. They have things they really care about, and it's really charming. Even though everything is going to shit, there is still something like good and I think beautiful about this. And it's, you know, it's bleak as hell, but I also have so much fun watching this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so, really important. With all of this put together, I'm probably going to give this 10 out of 10 broomsticks. To me, this is a masterpiece film. I've seen it like five or six times. It's so cool. Horrifying to think that so much of this dialogue came from people who really believed they were living through something like this movie. Yeah. Which is just bonkers, but like, Incredible artistry went into this film, incredible storytelling, incredible acting, 10 out of 10.
2: Very nice. Can't do better than that. Mathematically, at least. Yeah.
0: Unless you <laughs> consult the devil. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The cursed 11 out of 10. Yes. No, Should no. Should be 13 out of 10, right? Yeah. Don't do that. Or 666 out of 10. Yeah. Now that's a high rating. <laughs> How about you, Cass? What's your epic moment or feature? And then your rating from one to 10 broomsticks.
1: My epic feature is the love and affection between all the family members and especially William and Thomason.
2: Oh, Yay.
1: And- She's the eldest of all the kids, and uh, she's a few years older even than Caleb, who's the next eldest. And it seems like Catherine and William had Thomason, and it was just the three of them for a while before Caleb came along. And
2: That's how birthing works.
1: Yes, but it (laughs) seems like she was with them early on in their marriage.
2: Probably back in England, too. Yeah.
1: Oh, she talks with Caleb. She and Caleb were the ones who were around when they still lived in England.
2: But Caleb would have been pretty young.
1: He was. He barely remembers it. But Thomason remembers most of it. And um, she's recounting some memories to him during the movie. Um, but it seemed like they were happier there for a time. And it's sad because they, it's a rare relationship. Catherine and William clearly love each other. They say it many times and that's rare for the time period. And they love their children too, which is the level of care they show their children is rare for the time period as well. And um, I just appreciated seeing that level of affection and devotion amongst family members when it's, was used to really be about duty and obligation,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and um, they really seem like they were trying to create a happy life, and it all went to shit, but I just really like the scene when William is like holding Thomason when she's upset in between his legs and he's like cradling her like she's still a a baby or something,
2: oh that is sweet and sad,
1: yeah. And I
0: hope it works out. I could really. Oh, no.
1: I, no, but I just in that that gesture seems like a way he used to comfort her when he, she was younger. It seemed like a comfortable gesture for both of them. She she melted right into the embrace and like it it just makes me think like I get a glimpse into their history as a family of like how William and Catherine love each other and she was their first child together. And like she holds a special place in his heart. And so you can really see that in that moment. Yeah. Even though it turns right afterward.
2: <laughs> this is a
1: horror film. Um, so I think that, I mean, the setting is always beautiful, even though it's horrifying at the same time in that beauty as in all Eager's films, <laughs> like the natural settings that's around the characters. But the story is always centered around the characters and their relationships to one another. And I think this is a great example of how people can turn on one another when they're afraid, even if they care about one another. And um, I think it's done so well. All the acting is fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, I give it a 10 out of 10 broomsticks as well. I think it deserves it. That's Jack called it. It's a masterpiece. There you go. What about you, Jamie? What's your epic moment or feature and your rating from 1 to 10 broomsticks?
0: Yeah, let us in on your opinions, Jamie. <laughs> They're mine, and I'm going to keep them secret.
1: <laughs> we can never finish the podcast <laughs> if you do
2: that. So I'm going to say that my epic feature is just the complete dedication to the craft of filmmaking of everybody involved, from cinematography and lighting to directing, acting, uh, you know, and just the overall storytelling style. This movie is, in a lot of ways, the total package of, like, folk horror. It puts together this fascinating mythology. Yes, it does Follow some kind of like, I'd say traditional and somewhat dated concepts about like witchcraft and stuff, but it's also doing that for a purpose, right? Yeah, like it's this intentional. Is, this is very intentional. It's very deliberate. Um, I mentioned like the, the shots and the, the camera work, which is just glorious. Um, the, kind of symbolic way that we see characters like moving and praying. Like when they first get to this land that they're going to make their homestead and the whole family are just like kneeling in like supplication to the landscape, like clearly praising God for giving them this location or perver- for providing them this location. Um, the way that the setting really does create this ominous spooky world the acting and the writing are just phenomenal like people put their whole selves into this and when you see that in a movie it jumps off the screen at you like something about it, it is this indelible quality that is hard to put your finger on but if you're receptive to film as a medium i think it just hits you with so much force that you can't help but be impressed. It's a movie you need to pay attention to. I think that the first time I watched it, something was distracting me or something, and that's why it didn't stick with me. And this time I feel like the movie washed over me. We also watched it with subtitles this time.
1: Yeah. They
0: have very thick accents.
2: They do. But I mean, I don't even remember the visuals from the first time I watched it. Something Um, was clearly like taking my attention away. You Uh, were bewitched. I might have been bewitched.
1: I do need those subtitles, personally.
2: Sure. Subtitles are are very helpful. And accessibility is a big deal. And I also like it when the subtitles are just a little musical note when the music is playing. (laughs) So, with all that being said, I can't give this any less than a perfect score of 10 out of 10 broomsticks it is just it is a masterpiece it is phenomenally made and i think that this is the type of horror movie that will be as impactful as the horror films of previous generations your psychos your 2000s and one or maybe the one with jack nicholson family murder what's the family murder the (laughs) shinning the shinning your your shinings yeah this is like a perfect example of what modern horror can do
1: right and using that historical context and folklore gives meat and weight to it
2: yes absolutely it fills out this universe So, guys, we get one more bonus spooky movie this year, and I'm really excited about
1: that. I know. There are five Saturdays in October.
2: I mean, we couldn't have planned this better if we actually forged the calendar ourselves thousands of
0: years ago. Shh. Oh. (laughs) Not saying we did, of course. But if we were able to do such time shenanigans, it would only be possible with the support of our patrons. (laughs) (laughs) That is true.
1: Their funds help us create our time machine. It is true.
0: Yeah. Allegedly.
2: And you can help us buy enough time crystals to continue changing the calendar to our advantage by going to patreon.com slash swords and satire and signing up for one of our membership tiers. But Cass, what are we going to be talking about next week?
1: We're going to be talking about the ritual, and it is hype.
2: Ooh, when to go, please. <laughs> when, to po- po- let's see. when to go to the polls? There we go. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> Don't mind if I do <laughs> when to go to the polls. <laughs> I vote for the cult.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one is Jack's pick. And I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Was this one of my Let's Do This one? Yeah. Heck yeah. One of Jack's famous Let's Do This ones? Yeah.
1: Last year, it was Kung Fu Panda around this time.
0: Very similar
2: film. (laughs) (laughs) Pandas and Wendigos are basically the same thing.
1: And if you want to keep track of what movies we're going to be talking about, each week, and uh, get a cool meme along the ride, along the way. (laughs) You can go to uh, social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Swords and Satire. And uh, Jamie creates those awesome memes every freaking
2: week.
0: I do what I can. He can't be stopped. You can't do it
2: it's all my witchy power that's right and
1: i think they're pretty great so you should go check them out over there in that digital landscape
0: it's true now we've already mentioned the patreon which is a great way to support our podcast and we've referenced social media which is a very good way to support us as well but if you don't want to do those things another easy way you can support us tell your heckin friends and family about our podcast
2: Hey! If you're going the heck, anyways, you might as well do it.
1: You could even tell your acquaintances and your enemies.
0: (laughs) It will don't tell your enemies. (laughs) (laughs) What will make your life more delicious? True. Than experiencing your favorite art with your favorite people,
1: your community, as it were.
0: That's right. You can sit around the fire, consuming the media we consume, and then consuming the media we create.
1: And eat your corn.
0: That's right. (laughs) Only if it's psychotropic, though. Okay. Well,
2: until next time. Hail hail (laughs) Crom!